Listener Production. Hi, Sasha Barbagat with you for this extra episode of The Briefing. Today's news poll figures show Anthony Albanese is on the nose with voters. The poll conducted for the Australian newspaper shows Labor's primary vote fell four points to 31% since the last poll three weeks ago. Labor's now at 32.6% compared to the coalition on 38%, its highest level of support since the election. In two-party preferred, it puts them at 50-50. So basically, if an election were held this weekend, the ALP would lose six seats and face governing with a minority government. So what's behind Albo's decline? Is it just the voice, cost of living, immigration and border issues, being out of the country and interest rates? Or is Peter Dutton managing to make the most of key coalition strengths like national security, economic management and immigration? Sarah Ison is a political reporter in the Australian's Canberra Press Gallery Bureau and she joins me now. Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Look, first off, how much has losing the voice referendum impacted how Australian voters view Anthony Albanese, do you think? Well, he did tie himself quite closely to the referendum. It was one of the first things he talked about when he won the prime ministership. He got up and he said he he, uh, really endorses the Uluru Seven for the heart in full and made it pretty clear that this was his big priority and it's dominated the political um, news cycle for the best part of a year to 18 months. So to say that it's had no impact, I think, would be a little bit naive. But ahead of the referendum, you did have a lot of people in the coalition and others thinking that if it went down, that would be a major moment of Anthony Albanese falling on his sword, so to speak, uh, that it would be a huge blow and he, you know, his leadership would be in question. I don't think it's gone necessarily that far. And I think that's in part because he did ensure that a lot of the Indigenous leaders from those uh, who headed up the Uluru Statement from the Heart to the referendum working group really were the face of this campaign and made it that we're listening to the Indigenous leaders. So it's not his referendum, which he was at pains to remind us many, many times of over the following months. Mm. There's the other issue. Uh, He's kind of got the nickname Airbus Albo. There's this suggestion that he spends too much time overseas. Now, I might just make the point, he's only taken one more than Scott Morrison and two more than Tony Abbott when they were at the same times in their tenures. But, you know, there's no doubt that that rhetoric really has an impact. Uh, Do you think that's also the case with this news poll result? Yeah, I mean, I think particularly when there is such a cost of living crisis and you see people going overseas, and of course, this is the job of a prime minister. It's about diplomacy and so on. But for your average punter, seeing this, it might feel like a bit of, I suppose, bitterness or wondering what he's doing here at home to to ease the pressure of those bills and those skyrocketing costs. So I think the confluence of those things has definitely had an impact. It's interesting because when he first came to office, he went overseas a lot in the first few months. There was only a little bit of criticism then, and that's because, of course, the cost of living crisis wasn't biting so hard. Mm. But it was actually a really good thing at that time. I think people were wondering how well Albo could be the Prime Minister following some of his gaffes during the election campaign when he was unable to, you know, quote the unemployment rate and so on. And then suddenly we saw him on this international stage looking quite good and doing really well. And it was almost a bit of a surprise to not just, you know, the opposition or journalists, but even to some of his own colleagues who who mentioned that to me at the time, that now the pendulum swinging in the other direction. But as much as he does still seem to hold his own on the international stage, does look quite good, does it well, it is starting to, I think, make a lot of 
viewers and, and average Australians wonder, okay, all I can see is my bill climbing every month and you're jetting off overseas every other week, I think that's definitely playing in people's minds as well. Mm. Let's talk about the cost of living. Obviously, that's the biggest issue back home. for, And it's, it's so widespread as well. It's not just a small pocket of the community in Australia. It's everybody feeling it in some way or another. You know, there were a bunch of promises during the election campaign to fix a lot of these issues. And from most accounts, it's gotten worse. Do you think that could be what's hurting him most at the moment? I think so. I think that's absolutely the thing that has been hurting him the most. Now, even during the referendum, I know a lot of people, even within Labor, had a bit of concern, um, I think rightly, that people, the, the government was looking a lot at what is a huge policy and, you know, a very worthy policy to, to debate in, in Australia, being a voice to parliament and recognition of Indigenous people. Mm. But was it a little bit out of touch with people who just wanted the practical bill to go down? We're talking about changing a constitution, this document that's, you know, really old and we've got to do all of this stuff and there's constitutional law experts talking to the Prime Minister and all of this pretty high-level stuff, when your average voter is just going to the supermarket looking at that, that bill and feeling like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do about this? You had people in government at the time being concerned that they might appear out of touch, which I think might have happened to a small degree. Now that the, um, the voice is well, tr- well and truly behind us, it's a question of, okay, your focus should entirely be here on the cost of living. What are you going to do about it? Mm. And as I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners know, there's not an easy solution. You can't just flick a switch and suddenly make petrol and electricity and supermarket bills go down. I mean, that'd be great if you could for a politician. I'm sure they'd do that immediately. But it does just clear the, the air for them to do some policies that are going to make a difference. Unfortunately, if they don't and don't do it fast, people are going to get pretty frustrated pretty quickly. And the coalition has uh, particularly been weaponising that a lot in the last couple of weeks. We're going to see it heat in the final parliamentary sitting of the year. Yeah, and it's funny you bring up the coalition because that was going to be my next question was around we had the release of the immigration detainees uh, some of whom are convicted sex offenders and murderers. And then we had that boat arrive undetected on the coast of Western Australia. It all plays directly into the hands and playbook of Peter Dutton and the coalition. Do you think Anthony Albanese and Labor have the political smarts to kind of dig themselves out of the hole that they kind of ended up in? Yeah, well, look, just as a starting point, I think from what I understand from speaking to members of the coalition, they have at least a two-term strategy, particularly given how many seats they lost to the Teals over the election. You know, they're not going to say this publicly, but they're not expecting to get into government again at the next election. I mean, it would be pretty wild if they did and never rule anything out. But their strategy is to push Labor into a minority government next time and then after that, get back into government. So that that's where the coalition is at. And all of the things you've just mentioned, you're right, have played right into the hands of the coalition. A lot of them are feeling very energised by it and, like, they can really do some damage. Labor, I think, knows they're in a little bit of trouble. People aren't, you know, panicked or at, at, at panic stations at the minute. But I think it is about, well, what will the next 18 months hold? Because as much as this is all happening now, it's happened directly in the middle of Labor's term. It's 18 months in. So how does the second half of the term go? Will we see any other boats? That might be interesting. Uh, You know, what's going to happen with cost of living? That's really going to decide which way this sways. But Peter Dutton and the Coalition aren't going to let any opportunity pass them by to attack Labor on some of these things, which, you know, have been damaging. The question is just, 
how damaging, what degree uh, will they really take voters from, from, Labor's, from Labor's base? Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, with this particular result out today from the news poll, uh, do you think it's um, possible that Albo could end up being a one-term PM? I think that's possible. I mean, it's something that people have been questioning. Like I said, even at the referendum, people were wondering if a referendum lost, what that would mean for both leadership and his his uh, cabinet. We haven't actually seen a ministerial reshuffle as well, which we were expecting. So there's been a bit of unexpected, um, I suppose, resilience against some of that. But if they do get pushed into, particularly in a minority government, if some of the issues that we've seen grow... That is a really, a very real possibility. The question is, though, who would be his replacement? There's not the clearest front runner in the world. There's different people behind him. You could talk about Jim Chalmers. You could talk about even Tanya Plibersek. But for both of those people who I've just mentioned, there's also things kind of working against them. Or Tanya Plibersek in particular, you know, people talk about how she could really play the inner city seats, but, you know, maybe alienate some others. So it's a question of if not him, then who? Uh, it's not the same as sort of your Hawke and Keating eras where they had a clear person nipping at their heels, ready to take on that that uh, prime ministership. It's also a question of who has the support and the numbers. So I think he might be in a little bit of trouble. It's too soon to say, though, if we'll see after 2025 a new prime minister of Australia. Mm. Yeah, before I let you go, you know, 2024 looks like it's potentially going to make or break Anthony Albanese's prime ministership and indeed, you know, Labor's time in government. How do you see it playing out next year and what do you think Anthony Albanese needs to do to kind of re-cement his position and ensure that he doesn't lose in 2025? Mm, I think one of the biggest things that's going to dominate next year is energy. Um, Of course, this is both regarding, you know, our emissions reduction targets, but also it's a part of the cost of living crisis, right? Energy bills and electricity. We've already seen some pretty huge announcements by Chris Bowen this week about massively underwriting some energy projects and so on. They'll really have to get language around the politics around that right. Um, they use it a lot to push the coalition into what they hope is a bit of a sort of very niche place where they say, these guys don't even believe in climate change, don't listen to any attack that they have on us. If they can really make that argument well, but also they will have to start delivering on something to do with electricity bills, which to a degree is out of their hands. It does depend what happens overseas. You know, Ukraine's had that big, big impact on us. We are seeing some reduction in wholesale electricity prices. Bowen is pretty confident that's going to flow through to retail eventually. So I think this is a space that will have a really big bearing on Labor's performance and the confidence that voters have in Labor to continue governing. Yeah, well, as always in politics, it's a long game, so we'll have to wait and see how 2024 plays out. Sarah Eisen, thanks so much for your time today. Cheers, mate. That was Sarah Eisen, a political reporter in the Australian's Canberra Press Gallery Bureau. I finished the interview pointing to the next federal election, most likely mid to late 2025. So there is still a long way to go before polls have any great significance. But you can rest assured there'll be backroom players in the ALP keeping a very, very close eye on developments. That's all we have time for in this extra episode of The Briefing. Tom and the team will be back in your feed tomorrow at 6am.